again, my name is Katherine Weigel. I have lost 145 pounds Whoa. and I am an obliger, which we will tell you more about today. And with me today is my questioner husband. Donald Weigel. And yes, I am a questioner. I have lost uh, about 100 pounds, a uh, little no over. No questioning your dedication. You yeah. might question other things, but yeah. not that. Uh, I do question what the heck forktastic means, but... <laughs> I was trying to think, what's it, the fork tendencies? That's the oh, name of this episode. Oh, you could have said tendencies. something like, this week's episode is brought to you by the number four, like on Sesame Street. No, but it's or... the fork tendencies. Oh, the, We're saying the fork, fork tendencies. Like, I could have said spork. I, should, I could have yeah. also don- gone to the good place and used fork in a different way, but this is a classy show, and we yes. will not say it that Super way. Super classy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how people always describe us in our reviews. Like, they're so classy. So classy. And- Good looking. <laughs> you know what? You say it enough, you believe it. Yeah. So that we've got both of us have uh, faces for podcasts today. It is early here in America, USA. It is really hot out, so we are recording at the break of break of dawn. Yeah. And uh, yeah, trying to get it in before uh, before it hits a hundred later on today. Yeah, we had to turn off what twenty five fans yeah. before we. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, we, like, we, we would turn one off and be like, oh, wait, there's another fan on. No, there's another fan on. No, yeah, there. There's another fan on. So it's hot. So we're going to make this short. It doesn't seem like it by this preamble, but uh, it's already getting hot in her here. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we are going to talk about the four tendencies, not fork tendencies. Ha ha ha. Yes. Like plays on words. This is a, like imaginary friend of the show, Gretchen Rubin. <laughs> she doesn't know it, but we do. Yeah. Uh, she's not imaginary, but in our imagination, she's our friend. <laughs> That's how like all those Lifetime movies start. Like, single white female. Like, oh, Gretchen Rubin's my friend. My best friend. <laughs> she's she's the, the best friend. Best friend of the show. I like when we're recording, I like to imagine she's sitting in between us on her couch at home and <laughs> encouraging us Poor to Gretchen do a Rubin. good show. No, she has uh, changed my life in many ways. And because she's changed my life, she's changed Donald's life. So thanks, yeah. Gretchen. Yeah, she has a uh, she has come up with a she has for real. Um, she's come up with a framework, and um, it, it's it's a way in which people meet expectations. Um, and the idea behind it is it's almost kind of like a um, a habit system or a way to uh, understand your motivation. And you know, we have always we spent most of our lives being like, if I just found the right diet, or if I just if somebody just put me on the right exercise plan, that I could do this and I could lose the weight and keep it off. Right. But, and if if I just had the motivation, if I just listened to you know Eye of the Tiger, then I could get it done. Yeah. And when I started this, I mean, and Donald was just saying, I spent twenty five years just waiting for that one weird trick, and the big trick that never occurred to me was my own mind. Set. Yeah. And it was only in 2016 when I started this last time journey venture that I thought to myself, there must be people with better ideas than I have in my own brain. Yes, it took me until my 40s to figure out that I didn't know it all. And one of the podcasts that I found was Happier with Gretchen Rubin. So Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies Framework talks about how you meet expectations. Are you self-motivated? Do you need motivation from others? Or can you not be motivated by anything at all? which is another problem. So uh, Donald was going to break out her four tendencies, and we're going to talk about how it affects weight loss and how you manage your relationship with food. Yeah, essentially, she breaks it down into uh, the fact that there are four different types of people who meet expectations. There are 
outer expectations, which are what other people expect of you, and inner expectations, which is what you expect of yourself. And um, there are four different types. The first type is an upholder. And upholders uh, are the smallest group of people, and they uh, respond readily to both outer and inner expectations. So if somebody expects something of, of them, they do it. If they expect something of themselves, they do it. And their motto is, discipline is my freedom. And those people sound really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's like your Hermione Granger. If we're going into the sorting hat of uh, personalities, this is someone who sets their mind to something and they get it done. Like Chopin. (laughs) Chopin was probably an upholder for sure. Uh, And then there are questioners. Uh, Those are people like me. and Good looking. (laughs) (laughs) Why, thank you. Um, questioners, they question all expectations, but they'll meet an expectation if they think it makes sense. And especially, essentially, she says, they make all expectations into inner expectations. Um, and their motto is, I'll comply if you convince me why. So, so it's, it's really about gathering information and feeling like you're on the right path, that you're choosing the right method and that you have all of the data. It's a lot about data gathering. Right. So when Donald's doctor gathered the information that he would lose a leg if he didn't get his diabetes under control, Donald said, aye, aye, captain, I will not lose my leg. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then the next group is obligers. And Catherine is, uh, is in this group. And these are people who meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet the expectations they impose on themselves, uh, which makes them very bad at self-care. Um, Why you got to at me, bro? <laughs> what is what is our, uh, our motto? The motto is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me. Yeah, it, I definitely need a lot of external accountability. Exactly. And then the last group, uh, which I think is the second smallest, uh, is Rebels. And uh, rebels resist all expectations, inner and outer alike. They're the the types who like blow with the wind, man. Man, <laughs> they say words like man. Man, they're free spirits. You can't pin man. them down. They don't know how they're going to feel about doing anything at any given time. Um, and uh, their motto is, "You can't make me, and neither can I." <laughs> yeah, I've got a little bit of that in me, also. Yeah, and I. I I was about to give an example, but uh, we'll save it for when we uh, when we go into these one by one. And I think that the the idea here is putting in the work in order to reach your your goal weight is a lot of this. Uh, it, it's not inconsequential. You really have to you know do the food plan, do the diet plan, do the exercise plan. But to me, the more and more I I do this the longer I keep the weight off, the more I think it is really about mindset and motivation. And you have to have the right mindset and motivation in order to make yourself, in a sense, do the work. And I, I put the number somewhere between 60 and 70% mindset at this point, And then the other 30% is just doing the work. Right. Like once you have the mindset down and in place, then it's a matter of doing the work. Well, and I think the big part of this and why we wanted to bring up the four tendencies is knowing yourself better in this process and understanding how your mind works really does matter because the way I manage my weight loss with 
outer accountability and support groups and checking in with people is not the way Donald is motivated. No. And you can often feel like you're being judged by someone else because they are not motivated the way you are. Um, I uh, have someone in my life who's like, just do the work, just get it done, you know, make it happen. And they don't understand why I need outer accountability and support groups that, you know, they think it's like, well, once you make the decision, you just get it done. That person is an upholder. Yeah. And and, and those people typically don't have never even had weight problems. And it, it may be the case of them, um, you know, maybe they've never had a weight problem, but suddenly they've put on five or 10 pounds and, and then they're, you know, become motivated to do something about it. But usually they haven't dealt with weight issues all of their lives because they're just, you know, they set an expectation and they just meet it. Right. So we're going to go through each of the four tendencies in order and kind of talk about some personality traits they might have, uh, some ways that you might be able to manage your health habits uh, by knowing your tendency better. And if you want to take the four tendencies quiz uh, on you can go to the Gretchen Rubin website, GretchenRubin.com, and take her quiz so that you can find out. I think through this episode, you will probably be able yeah, to figure out mo- what tenden- Most people can figure out what they are just by hearing about the different tendencies. You know, I, I pretty much knew I was a questioner before I took the quiz, but then once I took the quiz, maybe it's confirmation bias, but <laughs> <laughs> once I took the quiz, it said, yes, you're a questioner. So, See. But, you know, she has a quiz on her website. I'll link to it in the show notes. But she also says that questioners are often say like why should i take a quiz like what's a quiz gonna do for me so you might be a questioner if you talk like that (laughs) see that's funny because i love quizzes but oh well anyway so um so yeah so we're gonna start out with upholders which again is the smallest group the elite you might say (laughs) Uh, but i have like my stepmother they're standing on their mountains looking down at the rest of us (laughs) well but for upholders, once you decide to do something, you do it. And so that was what what Donald was saying was upholders might have weight issues, but once they realize they do, they're quick to move on it and take action. Yeah, and if you're an upholder and you're having weight issues, it's probably much more about just putting it on your radar, um, that maybe you're just not even thinking about it is the reason that you're, you have the weight issue in the first place. And it's probably for you, and it sounds really easy. There's a whole bunch of other people out there uh, going, must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably for you just a matter of putting it on your radar and deciding it's important. Because once an upholder decides something is important to them, then they, they do it and they follow through. Right. So upholders might be very successful and very direct in their normal life. But as they put on weight and realize that they have an issue, they'll quickly move to pick a plan take action on it, have the structure, and that structure gives them, you know, the discipline to get it done. Uh, We actually uh, had uh, a member of Walt Place, W-O-L-T Place, who was an upholder. That's our, uh, in case you don't know, uh, if you're a first-time listener, um, that's our online accountability group for for people, Um, and it's it's fantastic for obligers, but we'll get that. Oh, it's fantastic in general, but we'll get to that a little later. Right. So uh, we actually had a member of the group, uh, Dörte, that's her name, uh, from Germany, and she was an upholder. She 
picked a plan. She lost the weight and uh, actually decided she didn't need to be in Walt Place because she was yeah. self-motivated. And I really understood that because once she got her momentum and she got her focus, it was nice to be in the group, but it wasn't something that actually helped her get her numbers down on the scale because she was self-motivated to do that. Um, so they might enjoy accountability or uh, fellowship in a running club or some sort of activity. Yeah, and it's probably temporary. Um, you know, you were you were talking about there's an article on the Gretchen Rubin website written by a personal trainer that you were telling me about earlier, and she said some things about upholders. Yeah, so she said uh, Rachel Trotta wrote an article about Gretchen Rubin and the four tendencies and health, and she said that they might need short-term accountability, but that in the long run that they can, you know, they might need a personal trainer a couple of times, and then they can be self-motivated and self-guided to get that done on their own with the use of a spreadsheet. Um, they might enjoy solo sports or group activities, depending on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Um, but they don't need long-term checkups. They they get their focus and then they move forward from it. The thing with them though, and this is something that Detta actually mentioned, was that she can be over strict with herself. So she can pick a plan, but then realize like, okay, I decided not to have sugar. And Gretchen Rubin is actually an upholder. Yeah. Um, must be nice. Um, but <laughs> like Gretchen, Gretchen Rubin cut sugar out of her diet and then it has never looked back. And it can be a very strict adherence to something. But being able to say as an upholder, hey, I know I said I was going to go vegetarian, but I really would like to have some fish sometimes. And you can change your plan. There's no vegetarian police. There's no fish police who are going to come and take away your badge. Uh, but if you decide that you want to modify, you can do that. So as an upholder, you might adhere to a plan, but then have the flexibility to pull back and change and modify if uh, if you want to. Yeah, and I think direction. questioners have a similar issue also with uh, inflexibility, which I will uh, I will address in our next section. Um, I just wanted to say one more thing about upholders, which is that. I think that if you think you're an upholder, I think you really should take the quiz because I think if you misidentify yourself as an upholder, there's a real danger in thinking that you've, you're going to have it all under control. Yeah, I think that's definitely true because there are parts of my life where I am an upholder and then others where I'm an obliger, but upholders can definitely misdiagnose themselves or think that they're doing it all if they, they identify that way, but then maybe don't take action on it, I think is, can yeah, be an issue. Yeah, and I think that the uh, the actually taking the quiz can really help because I think there's there's a certain amount of pride that can come with being like, well, I'm an upholder. Like, I... I just set my mind to something and I do it. Or if, if I find something important, then I get it done. But in actuality, you might be an obliger or a questioner and your motivation, you really need something different than what you think you actually need. Yeah. Do you think upholders are Slytherin? I think they might be. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's possible. It, it It is almost like there should be some sort of sorting hat for uh, for I, these four well, tendencies. Well, I feel like I've made some assignments. I don't know if they're true, but we'll, we'll see as we go along. How yeah. And then, so the next thing is is what I am, which is a questioner. And questioners, as we said before, they need to be convinced that something is important. Uh, for me, it's usually about about gathering data and evidence from a reliable source before I believe that something will work. And in the terms of weight loss and fitness, 
it it's kind of like I had to be convinced that walking counted as exercise, for example. And once I was, that was a heck of a revelation because then it was like, oh, wait, I can walk. I don't have to like do exercises that I absolutely hate that kill me. You know, cause I, I had worked out with a personal trainer for a long time and I hated just about every minute of that, but I thought I had to do it. I thought that was the only way to do it. But having that data and then I'm also very data driven in terms of having a Fitbit, like having that all that data on me and being able to see like, oh, if I walk more steps, then I feel better and the the scale goes down. If I eat fewer calories, I track all my food on the Fitbit app. And for me, all of that weighing and measuring fits right into what I like, you know, which is to have the data. I, I have the data, I have the evidence, and then I see the results, which is the scale moving. What? <laughs> well, I think it kind of occurred to me now, you know, those memes that are, you know, it's like a, a table out in a quad and it's like, change my mind. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, Weight yeah. Watchers doesn't work. Change my mind. Like, that is kind of the That's questioner. That's kind of the questioner, yeah. And, and the other, the, the real problem with being a questioner is getting uh, decision fatigue oh, or decision sure. paralysis. And just being so afraid of choosing the wrong plan because you don't have all of the data. Like, I I have a problem with, I will get a gift card for something and I will, like, I will agonize over whether I'm using the gift card to its greatest value on something rather than just, like, get something I want and move on. Well, and I see a lot of people who say, like, I want to get a fitness tracker, which one should I get? Should I get the Garmin? Should I get the Apple? Should I get the Fitbit? Should I get the Fitbit Blaze? Should I get the Fitbit Bubble? And I'm just yeah. like, get the pretty one. Get the one that you're going to put on your wrist. Because right. it doesn't really matter. But in terms of our relationship, and and all of this has to do with relationships around you too, because knowing under, other people's tendencies can help you not feel as judged. Yeah. Donald questions so much, and I used to see it as a an attack on my personality. <laughs> when it turns out he is just motivated by data. So I just he's like not- to gather information. I have this problem at work too, where I will ask people questions, and they think I'm attacking them. They think that I'm saying to them, like, "Why are you doing something a certain way?" When I just want to know what they're doing so that I then have the information that I can pass on to other bosses at work when they're trying to make decisions. But it's also difficult for you if you think their reason is stupid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's also true too. And my advice to people who are questioners is to think about it like a science experiment. And instead of getting paralyzed trying to come up with the perfect plan, let's say you've got it narrowed down to three or four or six plans, you know, eight plans, whatever it is. Maybe you think all of them might have valid things. Just eeny, meeny, miny, mow it and pick one. Do it for a while And if you get results, you can keep doing it. And if you don't get results, then you chalk it up to an experiment. Because part of this mindset that we talk about all the time is that you have the rest of your life to do this. It doesn't have to be that you you pick a plan and that's the plan you're on forever either. Like there's no, it's not like a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you want to talk about that? 
<laughs> no, but I mean, like, you're not you're not just like, well, I'm going to do Weight Watchers. That doesn't mean you're committing to Weight Watchers for the rest of your life. If it doesn't work for you in a few weeks, a month, a couple of months, you can try something else because you're you're think of it as a science experiment. Like I said, you're gathering data and trying to figure out what is going to work for you. And I do this all the time. I change. I change the time of day I eat things just to see what happens. I change what kinds of food I eat at different times to see what happens. And I have developed a a plan that I mostly stick to, but I it, it was based on trying and erring. Trying and erroring. <laughs> Trerroring. Or as some people say, trial and error. There we go. <laughs> and, um, you know, basically the scientific method of gathering that data and figuring out if, if I have results. And not being afraid of choosing the wrong plan is really important as a questioner. Well, and I think a couple of, uh, from the outside looking in at the uh, the questioner, yeah. I think the, tr- the word agonizing oh, yeah. can play into this. I agonize about which plan to follow. I agonize about which fitness tracker to get. I agonize. And that overthinking can be paralyzing, like Donald said. But also, like, we did an episode called Weight Loss where you're thinking about doing something. You're in a weight loss group. You're near a gym. And you think that just by being close to it, you're making progress because yeah. you're thinking about it. You're researching. You're coming up. Yeah. With in grids. the meantime, you're trying to figure out what the best walking shoes are. You know, by doing all the all the you know information online, but you're not actually walking. But you're in a group, and you think that you're doing something by just doing the research. Well, and I might see this in Walt Place. Let's call it Walt Place because that's where it is. <laughs> but people who are like, I'm here. I'm not losing any weight. If if you don't actually do the work, if you don't start experimenting, you're not going to see the results. Yeah, so- we, we've said on other shows, like, don't confuse motion for action. And the motion of gathering the information can feel like you're doing something when actually you're still in the same place. Right. And Donald is not an obliger, and he is not necessarily looking for too much outer accountability. I think... It's good to talk about it, and he likes to keep it front of mind. But he yeah. he uh, is in Walt Place because he's an admin, but he doesn't need that external accountability to get things done. No, and but I, you know, I do think that I get a certain amount of accountability from you. I, you know, I think that we feed off of each other. Let's in terms call it of- henpecking, shall we? <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Wow. I didn't say it, everyone. I don't actually. Please no. save your hate letters. He, he is much more self-motivated. I have to alert him. We'll talk about obligers next. Um, I need to alert him to my activities much more than he needs to alert me. Well, why don't we talk about obligers? That sounds great. Do you, Okay, I'm going to say it. I think questioners might be Ravenclaw. What do you think? Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot like of sense. Just kind of like getting it done. Yeah, exactly. Um, so obligers, the fun ones. Uh, I think obligers might be Hufflepuff. The fun ones? Yeah, maybe they're Hufflepuff. <laughs> they're fun. They like group activities and yeah, exactly. games in the quad. It's true. Um, so I found out that I am an obliger. I am terrible at uh, at just doing things on my own. I need external accountability. I need other people to be counting on me to get things done. Yeah. The more o- obligers have a hard time saying no to other people too. No, I don't. Which is also yes, a I problem. Do. <laughs> well, but that is a very big problem. It's a problem. We can but, talk about. But you that. can use it to your advantage in this case, which is to make 
everything about outer accountability. Yeah. Like make all of your things. If you realize that you have something that you want to accomplish, you've got to rope somebody else into this. <laughs> that sounded a little judgy, Mr. Ravenclaw. I didn't mean it to. Um, no, but I mean, I wrote all these things down too. Uh, and this this is going to look great on my resume. Not self-motivated, uh, bad at follow through. <laughs> I need contact with other people. I'm really uh, compelled by trackers and habit charts small group follow-up if you're anonymous in a group of a thousand you can hide behind the masses but having a few people that you're in contact with can really be meaningful often and i think donald was going to mention this um so i'll just let him mention it no you go ahead how do spouses and sweethearts uh do as accountability buddies well that's the the irony of of this in turn according to gretchen rubin is that spouses and partners and you know romantic partners typically make bad accountability buddies uh (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't call them accountability buddies we do accountability buddies um uh, or accountability partners because the the obliger um starts to see their romantic partner as an extension of themselves and therefore their romantic partner l- no longer has that sway over them that external they they don't see it as external accountability anymore well and two i i can't recall where i heard it it could have been on a tv show it could be someone i know i honestly don't remember <laughs> let's just start naming places you could have heard it I, you could have read it in a newspaper <laughs> on an article online no. I no, but there was a woman who said that her husband wanted her to call him out anytime he was eating bad food, like actually to trash talk him and say like, hey, yeah. get it together. Yeah. And that kind of aggressive one on one doesn't really work. Like having your partner or your sweetheart police you all the time yeah. or be like, knock it out of my hands if I buy it, like shame me if I do whatever. That's a kind of an aggressive status for a relationship. Yeah. Now, e- even with you and I, like you will sometimes say to me, the kitchen is closed. Do not let me go back in there by myself. And I find I have a hard time calling you out on that because I feel bad. Like, but well, I, I do it anyway, but then you don't always react. You're like, I'm like, you told me to stop you from going in the kitchen. <laughs> well, I I definitely do better when I announce my intention. So yeah. sometimes when I'm I'm saying the kitchen is closed, I don't actually. It's not an action I'm anyone is taking. I'm just saying it so that I feel more self conscious about going in there. Right. But I do with our daughter and. Uh, my my uh, questioner husband, I, I do sometimes like if if you know I'm quiet in the kitchen after 8 p.m., I'm probably not doing dishes or yeah. writing thank you cards. Yeah, I'm probably secret eating. Probably. So it's a weird position to be in as an obliger. And I, I think I mean, this is something I wanted to talk about was that obligers can hide in plain sight. And they can when, once you start being quiet and once you start stop looking for that external accountability, that might be when the danger is coming in when you go quiet and stop showing up for your Weight Watcher meetings, which I would do, or your accountability groups. Obligers really need that external accountability. And they, they also struggle. And the article by Rachel Trotta talked about how 
they really struggle with negative influences. So they're great when they're in an accountability group or when they're showing up and when they're tracking. But when there's negative influences like travel, visits from family members, uh, business trips, that kind of thing, they are easily derailed. And by they, I mean me. Yeah, that, that obliger thing can go the other way. You know, that's sort of like that that peer pressure of, come on, just have one ah. slice, just have one beer. Like, you know, that, that you know, you want to feel like you're joining in and part of the group. And that, that drive amongst obligers is stronger than it is amongst in a lot of people. Well, and I think too, like Donald was saying, for the account, the external accountability, I have a really hard time saying no to people. And this ties in specifically to emotional eating because obligers often overbook themselves, overcommit themselves, are meddling in other people's affairs and business. <laughs> like, no, but I used to do that. Like all my family problems were mine to solve. All the problems yeah. at our daughter's elementary school were mine to solve, like joining the, the governance council and being on the PTA. You put yourself out there so much and food is a way to uh, find satisfaction when no one else is appreciating all the hard work they didn't ask you to do, but you're doing anyway because you feel obligated. So really paying attention to um, your overcommitment and your boundaries, that has been my biggest problem in all of this is having no boundaries with other people and then using food as my reward system for being overworked, underpaid, undervalued. Yeah. And, and it's like being so concerned with helping other people solve their problems that you don't worry enough about solving your own problems. So what are some practical ways like, you know, you have reached your goal weight, you've maintained this for what now two and a half, almost three years, yeah. something like that. Um, how what are some practical things that you've done in order to to make that happen? Uh, for me, being very candid and open with accountability groups has changed everything. I used to um, suffer from bulimia and secret eating and emotional eating. And the more I have talked about that, like having a podcast, <laughs> the more I talk about it, the less shame I feel around it. The more uh, when I isolate myself, that's when the negative habits come back. So for me, I've been in accountability groups, uh, whether it be other or my own for the last four years. Yeah. That has been huge. Using a habit tracker has been super important. Uh, counting calories in my Fitbit has been important and having challenges with other people, whether it's, uh, like, and we talked about this yesterday in human life. Yeah. Uh, we are currently self isolating, uh, together and I am doing yoga every day. And I actually, a neighbor, uh, decided that she would also do yoga. So we were checking in with each other via text every day to say, Hey, did you do today's practice? Did you not? Donald is not motivated by external accountability and he's not doing yoga. So it was really nice to have a partner to check in with every I day. I mostly just don't feel like doing yoga. That's but. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I am motivated by calendars. I am motivated by puffy stickers and scratch and sniff stickers. So I get a sticker every yeah, day. Yeah, like all of your habit trackers and calendars. Like she puts a sticker on a calendar every time she does and something. And it actually motivates me seeing yeah. that, that consistency over time really helps. Um, being in Walt Place and having challenges, ch check-in accountability challenges has been really great for me. And checking in with others and knowing that they're expecting me to check in uh, really matters. I created my own problem by uh this is off topic uh we have a niece uh who is 15 yeah. years old who uh refinished a piece of furniture 
And she lives on the other side of the country. And I created my own accountability by telling her I was going to refinish a piece of furniture because she motivated me to do it. I wanted wanted her to feel good about like she yeah. did it and I'll do it too. Yeah, and- but once you told her that you were going to do it and then she w- you know, she gave you the impression she was counting on you to do it, and then, then I- it became like a you have to do it. Like we have made several trips yeah, to, uh, <laughs> to the hardware store by foot. So we're getting in steps. But that creating outer accountability for yourself, signing up for a virtual 5K, signing up for, um, you know, checking in with other people and some sort of a, a gamification thing might be a good way to get accountability. Having people expect you and need you to show up. Lead a group, even if you're not, like I am an introvert, but for me, leading online accountability groups is great because other people are counting on me and I don't have to hang out socially. Yeah, one of the things that Gretchen Rubin suggests um, was if you're trying to start uh, a business or you're trying to start something, like commit to holding a class. And then once people are counting on you, then you do it. Now, I'm not saying, you know, become a fitness instructor and then <laughs> hold a class, but you know, the idea here is make other people count on you to do the things that you actually want to do in, in terms of your health and fitness goals. Like in some way, make make yourself accountable to somebody else for it. And that is, you know, motivation to make it happen for yourself. Exactly. So that's like a good Instagram thing to do would be to like, hey, every Saturday, I'm going to post a new recipe. Hey, every Sunday, I'm going to post all the seasonings that I use on my food. Every Monday, I'm going to show my fitness tracker. Like, being able to show up and have people expect that of you can really matter. So. Yeah, find somebody else who is also trying to do this and and you guys trade your food logs or something so that you know you have to log your food then because someone else is going to be counting on you to get your own, your food log, just as an example. Yeah, and Gretchen Rubin also talks about how one-on-one accountability with someone else who's also struggling might be a dangerous pattern because if you're just one-on-one with someone else who's also struggling and one of you kind of disappears or stops returning text messages, then that, you lose your accountability because they've been hiding. But if you get a group of four to five people, a small group who's everyone is relying on one another, then you've got some people who are super motivated, some who need a little extra boost. So having a small cluster of people to uh, help hold you accountability can be a good way. You can also diversify too and and have – you know, have somebody who's helping you uh, stay on track with fitness and a different person who's helping you stay on track with food, which would help, you know, would help that a little bit. If one of them disappears, you still have the other one kind of a thing. And not to make this a commercial for Walt Place, but, you know, the group Walt Place that we have online is basically for you. If this sounds like you, like this is your external accountability. There are people in that group that are counting on you you to be there and participate and do this. And it can be very motivating for you then to achieve your goals. Yeah. And I I think for obligers too, and on a, a final point, obligers hate letting other people down. So you have to be very careful about choosing the right group 
the right personal trainer. Because if you're working with someone who makes you feel any shame about what you're doing, or like I worked out with a personal trainer, I really didn't like the plan, but I felt obligated because I had paid for it and yeah. it was counting on me. It was really hard for me to break away from that. So knowing myself better and knowing that about my personality, it's okay to audition plans. Hey, let's try it out for two weeks and see if it works. Kind of like the questioner. Hey, you know for what? Sure. I'll commit to two weeks. I'll commit to Weight Watchers for a month. See how that goes. Audition your plan and then make a decision from there. You don't, it's it's not like a one-way road forever and ever and ever. You can change course if something isn't fitting your needs. Absolutely. And that brings us to what I think is maybe the most difficult group to motivate is the rebels. And the rebels are the people who, you know, they might say to themselves, you know, it's a really good idea. It would be a really good idea for me to vacuum the living room today. And then I would come in the room and say, hey, you know, it'd be a really good idea for you to vacuum the living room today. And they would go, no way, I'm not doing that. There's no way. Man. You can't make me man. <laughs> well, our daughter is a rebel. Absolutely. And what, what again, is the rebel... Uh... The rebel code is uh, you can't make me and neither can I. Yeah, they work against themselves. Which, which it's it's almost like they want to do whatever the opposite is that they're expected to do. They want to do the opposite of what other people ask them to do. And they want to do the opposite of what they think they should do a lot of times too. Well, which, it's sort of that like free spirit spontaneous yeah what am i gonna feel like doing today like go where the wind takes you and it's a it's a mercurial group it's a smaller group but it's also based on the article from from gretchen rubin and from that fitness trainer that i mentioned before um they work against their own self-interest often all uh, the time they were saying that they find it hard to adhere to a program even if they know they want to lose weight they can't seem like i've tried everything nothing works and it can be really unmotivating and it can feel like it's impossible but what gretchen rubin talks about is appealing to one's sense of identity yeah what, what does being a rebel mean to you what does it mean about the kind of person you are yeah it's about how do you want Want other people to see you? Do you want other people to see you as the kind of person who is unmotivated and slothful and can't climb stairs and eats terribly? Or do you want to be seen as somebody who is amongst the elite, one of the people who have gotten it together, who is like super fit and running upstairs at age 70? And, you know, sticking to a food plan that few others have been able to stick to. Right. And, you know, you're going to hit your goal weight and you're going to maintain it and achieve it. And almost nobody else is able to do this, but you are because you are a rebel and you can do this. Totally. And I, I know that the rebel tendency has a very spur of the moment. What do I feel like doing right now? But if your core identity is one of adventure and free, you know, being a free spirit, you can work that to your advantage. It doesn't mean eating everything that you see. It doesn't mean indulging in every uh, opportunity. But it means proving everyone else wrong. Nobody else thought you could do it, like Donald said, and you got it done. Um, 
what example are you setting for others? Your kids, your nieces, your nephews, your students. Yeah. Are are they looking to you going like, wow, she, you know, goes snorkeling in the Great Barrier Reef and she's a great teacher and she's physically active. Like all these different things appealing to the real ed- sense of ad- of adventure and free spirit. Doing things on your terms. Weight Watchers might not be something that you want to do, but finding a plan that really speaks to who you see yourself as, like in a vision board. Is your vision board like Twinkies and couch and that's how you're a rebel? Or is your vision board, you know, exotic cuisine and rock climbing? Like, yeah, exactly. And you have to be careful about identifying yourself as like a wine connoisseur, for example, or a beer connoisseur connoisseur and and not not falling into that trap of well i'm a wine connoisseur so i have to drink so much wine that i can't possibly lose weight like i can't possibly be fit you know i i am the world's greatest pizza person you know like i'm somebody who tries all the pizza in the world like that is the that's the flip side of this it's it's identifying as the person that you really want to be like are people going to be impressed by the pizza guy yeah <laughs> or are they going to be impressed by the fit person right well and also it's rebels i think have discerning taste it's not you know they're not getting dominoes every night right they want to try the exquisite and the best and the best wine and the best beer which can be done in pairing uh with a sense of adventure or doing some sort of extreme sports or kind of the out of the ordinary something that makes you special sure i we went wine tasting but we also the next day went you know and hiked half dome like those are the kind of people like that rebellious spirit that person who is the envy of others yeah and, and- Oh, sorry, Ed, I probably just cut you off as you were about to say this, but Rachel Trotter said something in her article you told me about how they they like extreme workouts. Right, so it might be the kind of person who does a kettlebell workout or who does keto or uh, cuts out sugar. Those kind of extreme, like only the few and the elite are the kind of people who get this thing done. And I think the, the biggest thing about Rebels, and it's something that, you know, it, it, it's finding that balance between spontaneity and really investing in yourself is if you aren't investing in your body, if you aren't investing in your health, you could be missing out on future adventures. If you are not in shape and you have this, um, you know, this idea of going snorkeling or bungee jumping or going on thrill rides or, you know, yeah. hiking the Appalachian Trail, like, those are things that require stamina and fitness and discipline. And if you identify as a rebel who are, who's going to get things done, like Chopin, <laughs> like that, that Wait, uh, was Chopin an upholder or a rebel I, now? I don't know. Let's excavate him. How yeah, about yeah, that? We'll figure it out. But, Make him take the quiz. But you are going to prove everyone wrong. It was unlikely. You're, you know, you grew up in, uh, you know, an indulgent family, but you broke the mold and you are the person who is disciplined enough to carve out a new life for yourself. You are the kind of person who can let go of your old, uh, your old habits and the old expectations expectations, everybody who said you couldn't get it done, and you're the kind of person who breaks out of the mold and gets it done. And we would love for you to really think about that and really think about the kind of person who 
is spontaneous, who can go snorkeling, who can go rock climbing. Like those are the adventurers. And that's the spirit of adventure, not Twinkies on the couch. Exactly. And we would like all of you to harness that spirit of adventure uh, to some point. <laughs> My spirit of adventure extends to uh, walking up and down stairs a lot of times. <laughs> I think about Half Dome. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch it on the television. It's fun to watch somebody else uh, think about climbing something like that. Uh, but uh, the idea is, uh, to sum up, you know, hopefully you can take one of these tendencies, uh, figure out which applies to you. Take the quiz at Gretchen Rubin if you uh, if you need to. It's a fun quiz, even if you uh, if even if you think you know who you are, and um, hopefully motivate yourself to achieve your weight loss and fitness goals. Exactly, and I think just putting a fine point on that, knowing myself better has changed everything. Oh yeah. Gretchen Rubin has so many different constructs of personality types, motivation types, and listening to her podcast and reading her book better than before, understanding the difference between being someone who can moderate their portions like Donald, I'm glaring at you with daggers right now with dagger forks um, <laughs> you know if, dagger forks. if looks could kill this would be a solo podcast it next would. week but i am an abstainer from certain foods donald is a moderator and knowing myself going to the gretchen rubin uh, page her podcast and really understanding myself better has honestly changed my life for the better i thought this was just about adhering to calories yeah and adhering to going to the gym it is so much more than that and the more that you can develop your self-understanding by knowing your tendency and beyond the more adept you will be at modifying your plan and being successful very very true and uh, part of being successful is listening to this podcast. You did we it. only look thin, <laughs> and you have done it. You have reached the end of this week's They said episode. you couldn't do it, but you did it. <laughs> That's right, you rebels out there. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are truly grateful for each and every one of you, and uh, we are truly grateful for your reviews. Um, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor and going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a rating and a uh, quick review. It really helps us out on Apple. Um, Apple does this thing where the more ratings and reviews people have, the higher uh, their show gets boosted in the search results when people are searching for, you know, fitness and weight loss type podcasts. And it also boosts our mood. Oh, yeah, so, no, we like it too. Let's see, uh, let's see, a, a rebel, do it if you want to. I don't care. I don't care if you leave. You yeah. do it. What, what you want. Obliger, come on. Come on. Do it for us. Do it for us. Question. It makes sense, robot It makes and sense data. because it helps people find the show, <laughs> which maybe that's why I say that all the time. <laughs> and an upholder, do what's right. You yeah. want what's best for you. You know it's and the right thing us. to do. You just listen to this episode for free. Yeah. Man, we sound really manipulative <laughs> I know, right now, we don't you? <laughs> exactly. It's so awful when our daughter, like, when I know she, because she's a rebel, if I talk to her the right way, like, you can't rebound like oh yeah yes i can oh i know <laughs> i know it's so terrible it feels so it's 
classic rebel behavior. Yeah, it's so. good times, though. Um, so thank you so much. Um, if you would like to tell us how you have harnessed your tendency, uh, please reach out to us at weonlylookthin at gmail.com. Uh, if you have other suggestions for other episodes, we would love to have them. We've done a few uh, episodes lately that were completely inspired by uh, listener emails, and uh, we love hearing from you, and uh, we always do respond, uh, even if it takes uh, a minute. A minute. A while. Yeah. Do they use minutes in other lands? Is that a, a common I don't know. metric? Like, I mean, There's I the metric so. system, and then there's the inches. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but you can, uh, let's see, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at We Only Look Thin. You can email us. You can find Wolt Place by going to weonlylookthin.com and clicking on Join Our Support Group. Uh, lots of ways to stay connected. Yeah, and as we said, you know, Wolt Place is a great way to get that accountability if you're looking for it, uh, regardless of whatever your tendency is. Uh, it is there. Yeah. So if you're still unsure whether you need a sorting hat or a four tendencies quiz, <laughs> just remember that Donald and I are... An inspiration Asian. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.